Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 404 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. Here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm really asked you to agree with me. I'm asked you to hear me out. So over the weekend, we had All-Star Weekend. And I'm just, uh, spoiler alert, most of this episode is going to be about All-Star Weekend. It's going to be about what we saw. It's going to be about how we can change things. It's most of the episode is going to be centered around All-Star Weekend. Because watching All-Star Weekend, you have to understand what it's for. I'm hearing a lot of discord about things need to be changed or things are broken. And while I do agree that there are changes that need to be implemented to All-Star Weekend in general, I think we are losing sight of what All-Star Weekend is for. Now, that's not me saying, again, that there aren't aren't issues with it. I think that there are major issues with All-Star Weekend, which we will discuss today. But the main goal for All-Star Weekend is to showcase and highlight the best of the best in the NBA. All-Star Weekend was pretty much created and generated so that the NBA can put their best foot forward in a certain in, in a certain instance or the NBA can can it's, it's like a new car it's like a car show a car show you bring your best car you put your best car you put all your best parts and it's like a it it, it shows the beauty and the importance of said car the NBA All-Star Weekend is pretty much the NBA putting their best foot forward, putting their best players so we can highlight the highs, the high highs of the sport. And don't get me wrong. Again, there were some things this year that were incredible about all-Star Weekend. I'm not here saying that All-Star Weekend was a complete dud this year. That's not true. And I think that some of the things that were hits can be added on and can be extended to bigger heights moving forward because one thing I know <laughs> and one thing that we all know is All-Star Weekend will never be done away with. The NBA makes too much money. The city, the state, wherever it's in, makes too much money. All-Star Weekend will never go away. If there is an NBA, if there is an NFL, when we talk about the Pro Bowl, there will be All-Star or Pro Bowl festivities. Even, even this, even the Discord talking about things we like, talking about things we didn't like, this is generating buzz, generating excitement, generating whether it's good excitement, bad excitement. This is generating clicks for the NBA All-Star Weekend, which is what they want, which is what any entity wants when they put on a spectacle like All-Star Weekend. But <laughs> I hear a lot of people talking about the essence or getting back to where we used to be. And I would combat that by saying we never left what the All-Star game used to be. Or not just the game, All-Star weekend used to be. Let's let's focus on a, on a few things cuz I feel like I'm not really centered right now on a specific topic outside of All-Star weekend. Let's first talk about what hit. I want to start off. Actually, yeah, I want to start off with the positives. The fact that the NBA and this this is how you know how large the NBA is. This is how you know how popular the NBA is. The fact that the NBA can continue to go to states that states and cities that might not be the most popular, might not be the most prominent in the in the United States and America and still 
put on the spectacle that they put on is extremely commendable. This is no offense to Indianapolis. This is no offense to the Indiana Pacers. But when we talk about how the Super Bowl was just in what? uh, Vegas. When, When we talk about Super Bowl and we talk about football, those type of places, Vegas, Arizona, um, California, those are places obviously are are thought of when we talk about football. And when we talk about big spectacles, whether that's the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl used to be in Hawaii. Now it's in Orlando, I believe. Those places are understandable. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't see the NFL. And this is no shot to the NFL. This is just honest. I couldn't see the NFL take the Pro Bowl to, let's say, Baltimore. I couldn't see the NFL take the Pro Bowl to, let's say, uh, Jacksonville. While, yes, Jacksonville is hotter than Baltimore, when we talk about popularity, when we talk about just sheer size, I couldn't see the NFL doing what the NBA does and yearly going to different cities. Now, I've I've been on here ad nauseum and talked about the improvements and changes that the Pro Bowl needs, but the fact that the NBA is able to pick up and go to every year, go to a different city. I think next year it's in Golden State. So it's just that shows just how big and how popular All-Star Weekend and the NBA in general is. So in that sense, I think it's great that and another thing that the NBA does, which I I commend wholeheartedly and another reason why I think that it works that it travels as much is because the NBA All-Star Weekend usually incorporates wherever it is. So they were in Indianapolis this year uh, and they incorporated a lot of, you know, they had Tyrese Halliburton. He was pretty much the star of All-Star Weekend. We're talking about Friday, Saturday festivities. Uh, Their jerseys look like the old pinstripes of the Indiana uh, Indiana Pacers. Uh, It's just they know how to put on a spectacle. I will say that. They had the LED floors, which I think was really cool for you know, the the game, it was just great. The new implements that they put in was great. And that's how you know, again, for the people that I'm, I'm hearing a lot of, yo, they need to do away with the All-Star Weekend. Just because one or two events are are not meeting the expectation that you would expect them doesn't mean that they're failing. Hell, I'm going to talk about the slam dunk contest in a second. I'm going to talk about the all, the all, all-star game in a second. But we still watched. Whether we clowned it, whether we bashed it, we still watched. And that's what they want. And at the end of the day, whether it was bad or not, it was still entertaining to watch. That's another thing. And I think that's the whole That's the whole gist of it all whether things didn't hit the way that you would like them to hit at the end of the day there's still a base level of entertainment and that's honestly what it is that's honestly why whether you can combat it or not I do think that all-star weekend year after year is a success so let's talk about some of the new things Obviously, we talked about the LED floor, which I think was the biggest LED floor that the United States has ever seen. Uh, It was pretty much a whole basketball court, which was incredible. I do think it was cool. It was a little, I don't know how it affected some of the three-point shooters as far as three-point contests, but it was really cool to see them implement the LED floor and see them implement, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the skills challenge, and the changes that they made to the skills challenge, I do think it was cool how you know some of the illustrations and some of the some of the graphics that they used on the floor was really good. I thought it was really cool, really cool, really innovative. Um, 
And I, I don't think, obviously, I, I wouldn't want to see an LED floor for an actual basketball game. But I do think when we talk about All-Star Weekend and we talk about something as grand as this, that would be pretty cool. You know, I, I think that was an uh, incredible touch. Um, I've been saying this for, man, <laughs> I've been saying this for uh, years now. I'm not saying do away with the slam dunk contest, but what I'm saying is you have to understand what the draw is. And the NBA has to understand what people are there to watch. As unfortunate as it is, the slam dunk contest just isn't what it is anymore. We'll talk about that more in a second. But what I'm saying is you I think your form your your programming format has to be different. I know it's traditional that Saturday's festivities, whether that's the three point contest, slam dunk contest, skills challenge, I understand that historically, when we talk about Saturday on All Star Weekend, the slam dunk contest finishes it. The slam the slam dunk contest is the is the the headliner pretty much, but for the last few years or last good amount of years, that has not been the draw. We're going to talk about the game, the All Star Game, but the NBA has to understand you have to adapt to your league. Which they do a good job, don't get me wrong. But you have to adapt to your league. And adapting to your league also means adapting to how you promote your league. And the league is now a, thanks to, you know, the great three-point shooters that we have in the league, the, the, <laughs> the, the cheat code pretty much is three-point shooting at this point. And people are more excited to see a three-point shot than they are a slam dunk at this point. I know that's when you think 10, 15, 20 years ago, that was foreign. Everyone wanted to see a between-the-legs dunk or a windmill or whatever. But we're talking about today's NBA. And I don't have the metrics in front of me, but I'm sure the viewership spiked. I can almost guarantee you, I could be wrong because, again, I don't have the metrics here. So if I'm wrong, I'm sure somebody will will flame me up in the comments and that's OK. But I'm almost sure that when we talk about viewership and spiking, the viewership more than likely spiked during the three point contest in the Steph Curry, Sabrina Nadescu challenge. And I'm almost sure that it probably I'm not going to say plummeted because that's a harsh word, but it probably decreased once the slam dunk contest started after them. Now, people are going to say, well, Jalen, the slam dunk contest started around 10, 1030. I get that. And that is kind of late when we talk about, you know, an event starting as multiple contestants. But I'm almost sure if. It was the other way around, meaning if they had the slam dunk contest first, then they had the three-point contest, then they had the Steph Curry, Sabrina Desco, you wouldn't see that dip, even though it is late, but it is Saturday. So what I'm saying is the NBA should change their format as far as put your weaker, at this point, put your weaker festivities first which they kind of do they put the celebrity game on friday which was which was interesting and and, and and funny to watch they put the skills challenge first now you should incorporate and you should put the slam dunk contest next because people want to see the three-point contest people want to see the you know steph curry sabrina desku challenge Make that the closing. Make that the headliner. Because for years now, the three, I mean, the, the slam dunk contest has not been a good headliner. Let's talk about, no. 
fuck it. We're here. Let's let's talk about the slam dunk contest. I'm hearing a lot of takes, a lot of takes about the slam dunk contest. I will be the first to say I did not enjoy the slam dunk contest. There were moments. Shouts out to Mac McClung, who is in the G League right now for winning his back-to-back slam dunk contest awards. But I'm hearing a lot of chatter about it, and Stephen A. Smith has been loud this and Again, this is not me taking a shot at Stephen A. This is not me going at Stephen A. Obviously, I'm not. But Stephen A. Smith was kind of vocal in saying that LeBron James kind of ruined the slam dunk contest because he never participated. And because he never participated, it made stars stop wanting to participate in it. I think this was the first year in, I think, since 2019, probably, that an all-star was actually in the slam dunk contest, and that all-star was Jalen Brown. I think what, what Stephen A. Smith is missing, and I think what a lot of people are missing, because it's not just Stephen A., he is speaking for a louder crowd, because there's a lot of people that feel the same way that Stephen A. Smith feels about this. I think what the issue is, it's not the fact that there are stars at the slam dunk contest. It's the fact that there aren't much creative dunkers in the slam dunk contest. Look, I've talked about this at nauseum year after year because it hasn't changed, but there should be no reason why you can't get people that are not involved in the NBA, like street dunkers or or people that dunk for a living and have them. You're still showcasing basketball. They do a good job with the Rising Stars Challenge. They do a good job with, you know, the USA versus the world. So which means that you're bringing in people that aren't technically or that aren't always a part of the NBA at the time. Hell, you have the G League playing, which I know is kind of a subsidiary of the NBA, but you have the G League going against NBA players. What I'm saying is bring in people that that's what they do for a living. You see a bunch of, we're in a new age of society, whether we talk about the social media era, whether we talk about you know YouTube and and basketball is life being bigger than it's ever been or you know those type of entities you have people that are creative dunkers bring them in it doesn't that's a, and that's the thing that i i believe that the nba is scared of i think the nba is scared of you bringing in somebody that is better than nba players at a specific job and it taking away from the cachet, it taking away from the allure that the NBA is the best place that basketball players live, which I do believe it is true that the NBA is the best of the best. The most talented players are in the NBA. But I think that the NBA can show you can use a slam dunk contest to showcase people that are outside the NBA, people that are are just pure dunkers. I know I think TNT did something where, you know, Shaq, they brought in dunkers that are outside the NBA and had like a had like a contest. You can do that. But the fact that I'm watching Jalen Brown jump over Kai Sanat, sitting in a chair, by the way, is crazy to me. Another thing I've heard is (laughs) that all the dunks that are creative and all the dunks that are good have already happened. That's not true. That That could be proven if you bring in actual dunkers. This isn't taking away from NBA players. Obviously, they're on another level when we talk about just the sheer game of basketball. But there are people that are out there that make it a living to dunk the ball. Bring them in. Allow them a shot to showcase their talents. 
allow them a shot to showcase the art of dunking. There is people on social media, people on YouTube that have a page just for the quote unquote art of dunking. Let them do what they do. Because I don't think the more and more you keep having non-dunkers or people or, or non-creative dunkers, which there's nothing wrong with not being able to create it, like being a creative dunker. I think that's the main reason why LeBron James hasn't been in it. Or that's the main reason why Zion Williamson hasn't been in it. They're great dunkers. They're some of the best dunkers we've seen in the NBA history. However, there's a difference between being a aggressive and a strong dunker and a powerful dunker and being a creative dunker. I think like Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon in 2016, probably the greatest dunk contest we've ever seen. I know probably. I think that is the greatest slam dunk contest we've ever seen. And I will go on this hill and saying that Aaron Gordon was robbed. But the reason why that we still talk about that slam dunk contest and revere it as high as we do is because the creativity. Even now, at the time and now, Aaron Gordon isn't a superstar. Zach Levine isn't a superstar, but they were creative. And it's okay that today's dunkers can't do what they do. But you know who can? People that are on YouTube, people that are on TikTok, people that are on Instagram, people that are on social media. Why don't you give them a shot? And I'm not saying that they have to create the same dunk. But I've seen dunks way better on TikTok and on YouTube than I've ever seen. Well, than I've seen at the Slip 3 or Slam Dunk Contest in a while. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to bash and destroy. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to save it. Because the slam dunk contest is starting to turn into that Sunday football game that nobody really watches. Like the Washington Commanders against the Arizona Cardinals. No, unless you're a Washington fan or an Arizona fan and it's on your TV, like it's zoned for that, you're not watching that game. Even if you have red zone, you're not watching that game. That's what the <laughs> that's what the slam dunk contest has turned into. And I'm trying to help it. Again, I, I understand the hesitancy in wanting to bring somebody outside the NBA for an NBA weekend showcase. But that actually does nothing but enhance the NBA. And it shows, okay, the NBA is connected and is tapped into entities outside of them. So it, it, I'm just I'm trying to save it, bro, because the slam dunk contest was not exciting. And again, shouts out to everyone. Shouts out to Jacob Toppin, who I didn't realize was as good, if not even at, in Kentucky. I didn't know he was that good as a dunker. Um, oh, that's another thing I want to talk about with the slam dunk contest. Yo, why? I think, hmm, how do I address this? You know what I think is a tired argument? I think the tired argument is why are people like Stephen A. Smith, like Skip Bayless, why are people like them able to cover, talk, dissect a sport they've never been in? You hear that a lot with, you know, Mina Kimes or people of that ilk. Colin Cowherd, Nick Wright, Chris Broussard. The, the question is, the, the tired argument is, those type of people are, should not be able to discuss the sport that they cover because they never played it. Which... 
I think is the dumbest argument. I understand that there's areas that they may not understand because they've never been a part of it. But the fact that they can't cover it, that's like me saying you can't be a history teacher because you were not there in history. You were not there during the civil rights era. You're not there during Egypt date, you know, when they were building the pyramids. I think that's entire argument. Why did I just bring that up? Because I do think that there should be an argument when we're talking about judges and we're talking about ranking things. A person that has been involved or a person that has done that, that you know what it the reason why I brought that up is because that argument is not weak. And that argument actually makes sense when we talk about someone that's judging something. Like, why would they have me, me, Jalen Hunter, why would I judge a dog show? Or why would I judge a crochet match? Or not match, crochet thing. Or why would I judge a fencing match if I've never even seen fencing outside of like little clips and stuff? If I if I don't even know how to do crochet, is that the thing with the yarn? Like, why would they have me judge that? That would I would be so far out of my element because it does it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that I would be the one to judge that, you know. I don't understand why they have judges because at the end of the day, the judges is what is a factor that, that, that kind of, um, how do I say this? That kind of goes hand in hand with the excitement and goes hand in hand with the overall product being what it is. Why do they have judges that has never been a part of a slam dunk contest, that have never won a slam dunk contest, that has never even finished in the finals of a slam dunk contest? I understand the women. Like, I understand Candace Parker being, I get that, you know, and, and we're going to talk about that in a second, talking about the integration of the WNBA and the NBA. But why do you have people that have not been in a slam dunk contest judging it? Because that's how you get. Jalen Brown dunking over five foot Kai Sinet sitting down. So he's pretty much three feet tall. And you all damn near get a perfect score for that. Yet and still, Obi Toppin, even though I think he missed the first time, but Obi Toppin does damn near a 360 between the legs dunk. And it doesn't get nearly the same amount of points as Jalen Brown jumping over Kai Sinat. There's a disconnect there. And I just don't. <laughs> I think when we talk about the argument, we talk about not being able to cover what. That argument should actually stand tall when we talk about judging these type of things. Why do I have? someone that can't even touch the I, that's like me <laughs> that's that's like me judging a slam dunk contest i can't dunk so what are we talking about it just doesn't make sense man it doesn't make sense man but shout out to all the participants of the slam dunk contest let me talk about some things that they Something that they did get right on the Friday Saturday part. I think this the three point contest was good. I if I was to change, you know what? To 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 discuss the greatness of the three point contest, you have to kind of incorporate the Steph Curry Sabrina Desku challenge, which obviously was Sabrina Desku has the record for the most. Um, points in a three-point contest like ever I think she only missed like two or three shots one time I think she had like a 37 and Steph Curry is widely regarded as the greatest shooter that God has ever created so they wanted to put them up against each other which was a great thing the only thing that tr was trash about that whole part was 
the belt. <laughs> like it was a. Why, why can't you have a trophy? That a belt. It was and it was it was a cheap looking belt. But I think the the environment how they played it up. Sabrina Descu was great. Um, she she dropped twenty six, which was the same score that Damian Lillard dropped, who won the three point contest. Uh, Steph Curry ultimately beat Sabrina Descu. He dropped twenty nine, but it was a great. I loved how they did it. It was great. Now I would probably wish they'd have two rounds, but I understand. I understand why, and I think that it was great. And that kind of brings me to another improvement that I would do. I I get that there wants to be that that there the M, the WNBA in the NBA there. While obviously the NBA or the WNBA is a sister to or is is obviously connected to the NBA, the NBA owns the WNBA. Seeing Sabrina Nadescu perform as well as she did opened the eyes to a lot of people. It didn't open my eye, it didn't open their eyes to me because obviously. I watch the WNBA at time or a lot of times and I understand that there are some incredible shooters in the WNBA. But the reason why a lot of people were so shocked at the greatness of Sabrina Descu shooting the ball is because they don't watch the WNBA that much. So they probably don't know who she is. And that's something I understand that the NBA, the WNBA has an all-star weekend. I get that. But I would incorporate the WNBA more in this all-star weekend, which goes back to promoting. It goes back to, you know, trying to grow the brand. Why is it that we don't have some of the best WNBA shooters in the three-point contest? I love what Sabrina Descu said after the after the Steph Curry Nadescu challenge and she said shooters could shoot and I think Steph Curry said it too shooters shoot whether you're a woman man whatever you identify as shooter if you can shoot the ball you can shoot the ball so why isn't it that the NBA hasn't incorporated the WNBA which they own why haven't they incorporated it in a three point contest like why the hell am I watching Malik Beasley shoot in the three-point contest now i understand that there are players that obviously could have and and probably should have when we talk about their stature and their cachet been in this three-point contest like steph curry he's won it twice i believe uh clay thompson's won it before but i would love to see some of the wnba stars in it like i would hold up I would love to see Kelsey Plum in um in the the three-point contest. I I think I think that would be great. Like let me see. Uh I would love to see Oh, hold up. <laughs> about to say i know i'm not tripping i would i would just love to see some you know some some they incorporate the women they incorporate the wnba in um in in the three-point contest or in all-star weekend in general i think that Again, I know that they they kind of do that to a certain extent. Whether when we're talking about um, when we're talking about the celebrity game, which I think that is, I I've been I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I think that's job kind of disrespectful to the WNBA when. You have WNBA players like Jackie Young. When you have WNBA players like, you know, Candace Parker a couple years ago. Um, some WNBA stars play in the celebrity game. Like, there should never be a time where 
Jackie Young is playing on the same floor as Kai Sinat. Or if there should never be a, 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 an instance where, let's say, uh, Brianna Stewart is playing on the same floor as Kevin Hart. Like, if you're going to incorporate the WNBA, incorporate them in the three-point contest. Incorporate them in the skills challenge. I know they try to do that from time to time, but incorporate them in the skills challenge. Because quite as kept, there's a lot of women that are much more skilled than men in those areas. And you saw that with, now obviously Sabrina Descu might not be a better shooter than Stephen Curry, but... Sabrina Descu was better than a lot of people that won the three-point contest. Shouts out to Damian Lillard for winning. But she recorded the same amount of points that he did to win. So, I think that I would incorporate women more, or the WNBA more, in Saturday festivities. And for, for the people that are saying there should be a... You know, they should do like a Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, or Steph Curry and Damon Lillard going against Sabrina Descu and Caitlin Clark. Do you all understand? Uh, there are much better shooters in the WNBA than Caitlin Clark. <laughs> like, who, might I add, is not in the WNBA right now? Like, there are much better shooters in the in the WNBA right now as we speak than Sabrina Nadescu. I mean, no, I'm sorry. Than, um, than, what's her name? Than Caitlin Clark. Don't get me wrong. Caitlin Clark is an incredible player, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and disrespect her. But what I'm saying is, like, come on, guys. Like, what are, what are we doing? What what are we doing? I understand that, again, this goes back to a lot of people don't really watch women's sports. And that's okay if you don't want to. Like, I'm not, I'm not here saying you have to or you should or this, that, and the third. But what I'm saying is, like, There are much better shooters in the current WNBA than there is, you know, than Sabrina Nadescu. I mean, no, than uh, Caitlin Clark. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm just I'm just looking at the three point percentage for a lot of these uh, women and. You got you got better <laughs> you got better people. You got Kia Nurse. You got Chrissy Tolliver, even though she did get hurt last year. You got uh, Alicia Clark, Lexi Brown, Jasmine Thomas. Like that's that's all I'm saying. Tiana Tarasi. Kayla McBride. But yeah, incorporate women in the three-point contest and, you know, that'd be cool. Another thing I would like to see, and i talked about this before. You've seen people like the Gilbert Arenas podcast talk about it before. So, you know, obviously my thoughts are original, but I'm not the only one that thinks this. I think it would be incredible to have a three-point contest. I mean, no, have a one-on-one, two-on-two contest. I know players probably wouldn't do it because of the fear of, you know, getting exposed and getting embarrassed because there are players that are great team players. And then there are some players that are great one-on-one. Um, but I think that would like take away the three, the skills challenge and put in a three point or not three. Why do I keep saying? Oh, okay. I was talking about three. Put in a one-on-one or two-on-two challenge. Boy, <laughs> Man, or through like you gonna see, like imagine, imagine how they promote that. Like you have, you have Steph Curry going up against Kyrie Irving in a one on one, 
or you have Kevin Durant going up against Jason Tatum in a one-on-one or Shea Gilgis Alexander going up against Luka Doncic at one in one-on-one or Dame going up against I don't know Trey Young I think that would that that you're talking about promotion you're talking about moving the needle that would be great Again, I understand it'll probably be hard for players to accept that, seeing as though you, I don't know. But still, you're going to see some intense, because no one wants to get embarrassed. You're going to see some intense games. That's all I'm saying. That is, uh, <laughs> that's Saturday's festivities. Let's talk about the All-Star game for a second. Again, I told you most of this episode was going to be about All-Star weekend. So, people are obviously upset at the All-Star game, and people are saying that they should do away with the All-Star game because the there's not even a hint of defense anymore pretty much in the All-Star game. The final score of this year's All-Star game was the East getting 211 points and the West scoring 186. This is the first time in All-Star Game history that they scored over 200. Obviously, they scored the most. Um, And it was essentially, yo, I think that the stat was they attempted, both teams attempted 146 three-pointers. And because they ain't playing no defense, a lot of those three-pointers went in. And you're seeing a lot of people say that they, they should just do away with the three-point or the all-star game if they're not going to play defense or they're not going to essentially try hard. And I don't – oh, I was talking about this when I talked about the in-season tournament. The hardest thing to do is to promote something, needing somebody else to promote it is to sell something, is to have something, but the promotion is completely out of your hands in a sense of the all-star game is only great if the people that are in it take it seriously. And I think... I think what people have to understand Especially the people that are saying that they need to do away with the All-Star Weekend or do away with All-Star Game. You know when All-Star selections really matter? I know that this is going to be a harsh truth for a lot of people, but it's the truth. All-Star selections only matter when somebody retires. And when you're building up a case for... If they should or should not be in the Hall of Fame. Players know that as well. And. You're hearing about. You know. The quote unquote purists talking about why they don't play defense in the all-star game or something. What incentives do these players have? That they need to essentially try hard in an exhibition game. This game does not matter in this grand sense of if Damian Lillard, who won the All-Star Game MVP, the Milwaukee Bucks don't have an automatic bid in the playoffs or automatic first round buy. Damian Lillard don't make more money because he was an All-Star or an All-Star Game MVP. There are people that Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant were all-star game MVPs. They're sitting in the same exact Hall of Fame that Yao Ming is in. Who was an all-star was never an all-star MVP. You have to understand, man, 
the All-Star game is going to reflect on how today's NBA is or how the current NBA is to whenever the All-Star game is. There is no incentive for these players to play hard. You can incorporate money. And I think that if you incorporate money, I know that there's money to charity, but quite as kept, these players don't care if their charity is good or not because they have, they make so much money. They can just give them charity. They can just give charity money. But if you say, hey, if you win, you saw that with the uh, end season tournament. They said if you win, you get like 50, 500K. You saw everybody playing hard. Now, you would think, what's 500K to a $250 million contract? 500K is 500K. <laughs> like, 500K is 500K. So say, hey, if you win, you win a million dollars. Everybody on your team, trust I don't care if they all have maxes. You're going to see some defense. Because <laughs> ain't nobody trying to just give up a hundred mil or give up a million dollars. Why don't you do that? If you're gonna, you need to make an, you need to make it incentive based. Meaning, what what reason do I have to play hard? Potentially get hurt, which ruin the actual season. Like no one, no. And quiet as is kept. I'm not saying you have to play a lockdown 1995 defense. What I'm saying is. Just get a little bit of effort. And I put money. You'll find that effort in the in a million dollars. Just like the end season tournament, you found that effort with a 500K. The whole winning team gets a million extra dollars. Let me tell you something. <laughs> You're going to see some blocks. You're going to see some, some defensive stances. I promise you that. But... This is what you're going to get. And on top of that, Quadets is kept. Today's NBA, these players, they're, they're much more skilled offensively than they were back in the day. So maybe it was, yes, it was defense. They played more, more defense back in the day. But it also, you're not playing, these players uh, are better offensively. Like, you think there was a Damian Lillard back in the day that can shoot walk-up threes from the half court? Or Steph Curry? Or or Carl Anthony Towns that dropped 50 and still lost? I understand, like, you want, you want your stars to take it seriously. Like, you, it was clear that Nicole Jokic and Luka Doncic, I'm not just singling it out, but they were two that came to mind didn't really take it seriously but again there's no incentive to take it seriously they probably didn't want to be there because i i I get the whole building resumes and and everything when we talk about you know hall of fame where they whatever but a lot of these players looking at it as yo i don't want to be here (laughs) other players get this weekend off get to have rest and i got to do all these TV obligations and commercial obligations and NBA obligations and all these interviews. Nobody wants to do that. And then you still expect them to play hard for nothing? I'll say this and then we will finally move on for All-Star Weekend. You will continue to get games like this. And you will continue to get there's no incentive to care unless you give them an incentive. Whether, which for basketball players, it's money. That's all I'm saying. Because I put money. If there was a million dollars on the line, then not like million dollars to break down. Like every player on the team gets a million dollars that's playing if they win. Let me tell you something. You're going to see, man, you're going to see the glove come out. You're going to see Kawhi Leonard actually try hard. 
the boy. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Oh, and I would like to see women get incorporated in the All Star game. Again, I understand that the WNBA has their All-Star game. I'm not disrespecting their All-Star game. Even though I do hate that their All-Star game is usually like 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. I hate that, bro. Like, make it a star Sunday. Like, come on. But I would like to see, you know, Drew Lloyd see what she can do against. I think that'll that'll be an interesting cog as well. Instead of putting them in the celebrity game, why don't you put them in the All-Star game? That's all I'm saying. That's All Star Weekend. Bada bing, bada boom. Um, let's go. Let's kind of look forward a little bit, because I've heard a conversation that I heard, especially on social on social media and on you know ESPN and national syndicated networks and everything is about Jason Tatum. And I think Jason Tatum had comments over All-Star Weekend talking about how, you know, he would like to win MVP, but because he pl- he lost the finals, people look at him differently. Um, I will say that there is a sense of, there is some truth to the fact of, how team how people look at teams that lose in the finals that were the favorites i think that's kind of what jason tatum missed and jason tatum left out it's different if you lose in the finals i mean obviously there's going to be a winner there's going to be a loser but when you're the favorites and the overwhelming favorites, I don't think people understand or people remember how big of favorites the Celtics were against the Golden State Warriors in 2022. Like they were the overwhelming favorite and they lost. On top of that, the, the Golden State Warriors won, rattled off three straight games. But I don't think that's the only reason why Jason Tatum isn't a big name that is discussed in the MVP conversation. Let me first start by saying I do think that he deserves to be in the MVP conversation. He's averaging 27 points a game. He's averaging pretty much nine assists. Or no, I'm sorry, five assists, nine rebounds. The Celtics are by far the best team in basketball right now and he is the best player on that team so I do think that when we talk about MVP chances and MVP you know MVP moving forward I do think that Jason Tatum should be in consideration for the MVP but I think that there's a lot of factors that's going against Jason Tatum whether that's his fault or not one factor is as unfortunate as it is, you play on a team that a lot of people don't like. A lot of people don't like the Boston Celtics because of the fan base and because the stigmas that are attached to the fan base of the Boston Celtics. Whether they're going to they're going to say that it's not their case, but that is that's that's a reason. Like nobody wants to champion that. Now, again, this isn't all fans, and I'm not coming at all fans. I'm just saying that is truth to that. And on top of that, let's look at this Boston Celtics team for a second. While, yes, Jason Tatum is clearly the best team or best player on the team, you have a great team. And while that shouldn't take away from Jason Tatum's chances of winning the MVP, and historically there have been times when it hasn't, But I think that takes away. I mean, Jalen Brown is an all-star. Drew Holiday is a great player. Christoph Porzingis is a great player. The Boston Celtics are far and away, in my opinion, the best team in basketball right now. And I think that that drastically hurts Jason Tatum. It kind of goes back to uh, Golden State when they had Steph and KD. There's a reason why Steph and KD never saw an MVP when they both were together, even though you can argue that one one of them should have been the MVP of the league when they were teammates, 
the reason why they didn't is because no one is going to give it to a team that has super that many superstars on it. That's just not going to happen. And Jason Tatum is playing alongside another all-star in Jalen Brown. Whether you believe he's an all-star or not, it says it on his on his jacket. So I do agree that Jason Tatum deserves to be an all or deserves to be in the MVP conversation, but I understand why he's not. And there's a lot of factors on why he's not. And when we talk about the finals, I do think that that has left a sour taste in people's mouths as far as not the fact that you lost, it's the fact of how you lost. And Jason Tatum didn't play good like at all in the finals. He may have had one good game, maybe. In fact, Jason Tatum was a big reason on why they lost just because of his turnovers so that does leave a sour taste in people's mouths but I will go on record as saying that I do believe Jason Tatum should be in the MVP discussion he's just not so uh let's let's move forward uh, I want to congratulate now hold up I'm going to say this name's this man's name wrong I just know it, and I apologize in advance. I'm not good with names. But I want to congratulate Lima Tapora. Lima Tapora. Tapuria. Man. Damn. For beating Alexander Volnovsky. At UFC 298, I, Alexander's a lot easier. I don't know him personally, but I'm going to call him Alexander because I'm going to just call him Volk because I know a lot of people calling call him Volk. Um, he was one of the longest reigning uh, MVP or MVP UFC champions in like their history of the sport. And the fact that uh, Tapora, Top Uria, Tapora, Tapu. Puria, whatever, man. The fact that he came in, even though that he was undefeated, but it's kind of a sense of, you know, you want to see it to, or you need to see someone beat the champion or see someone beat somebody before you can crown him. Because Volk was, you know, the favorite coming in, but it wasn't by that much because you're playing against somebody or you're fighting against somebody that is undefeated. And that's why I say, man. You can't play box. You can't play fight because one false move. It was a pretty even fight until homie, homie hit what Taporia. I'm just calling Taporia. Taporia hit Volk with a mean. I think it was a right and just knocked him out cold. <laughs> like shouts out to him, man. Shouts out to him. It's very interesting to see where UFC is, man, because you have people like uh, Taporia. You have people like Volk, and I think that he's trying to do a rematch, but I don't know if Taporia want to do it. Uh, you have Conor McGregor coming back. You have Leon Edwards. This, this is very interesting. Uh, I don't know when John Bones Jones is going to be fighting again, but, yeah, man. But shouts out to... Tapuria, I know I'm I'm butchering your name, so I apologize for beating Alexander uh, Volnowski at UFC 298. Shouts out to you. Um, Lastly, before we go, uh, fear. I fear that this is one of those years, man. <laughs> I fear that. Now, I I watch a lot of college basketball. A lot. Uh, and everyone that knows me knows that my favorite team is North Carolina. I've talked about it ad nauseum on this platform. And right now, North Carolina is, I think, ranked 10th. Uh, they had sort of a up and down last two weeks, but they're ranked 10th. And I think the projections that came out for the for March, uh, they have them as a s- second seed. 
But I'm, oh, I'm having a fear, man, that this is one of those years. This is one of those years where there is a clear... Remember the... I can remember this two distinct times. Remember the year Villanova had like Dante DiVincenzo and Mikael Bridges and I think Jalen Brunson, and they were just far and away better than everyone, and they dominated everyone. To e- even in the national championship, they destroyed. I don't remember who they played, but they destroyed a team in the national championship to the fact that it was just like, uh, in fact, I'm going to look that up. Uh, the last time Villanova was in the championship, uh, they destroyed, it was 2018, they destroyed, oh my God, they destroyed Michigan. They destroyed them 79 to 62. Yeah, Dante DiVincenzo had 31 that game. Damn. But uh, yeah, they had, um, damn, they had Spellman, they had Eric Pascal, NBA, Jalen Brunson, NBA, Mikel Bridges, NBA. Like they had Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Kalespi, they they had some pieces, and that team, even though they did lose four times, they were just far and away the best team in in college basketball. There's another team, uh, the Virginia Cavaliers. They, the, I remember what team that was. It 2019. Yeah, 2019, because this was the year after they lost. I think they became the first team ever to lose to a, a the first team ever to lose to a um, Lord have mercy, lose to a 16 seed. That was in 2018. In 2019, they came back and just blew through the league. <laughs> like you, I remember Kyle Guy was on that team. Um, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter, and I think they play. They played Texas Tech in the national championship. Yeah, they played Texas Tech in the national championship and beat them by tw- eight points. But it wasn't as close as you think. I'm starting to fear that this is one of those years for UConn. I know UConn did win. Uh, last year, but th- there is not a team. I don't see a team that is even on the same level as UConn. Now, that's no offense to Purdue, even though Purdue did lose. That's no offense to like Iowa State, who's incredible defensively. Houston, who's incredible defensively. My North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, Arizona, that have Caleb, Caleb Love going crazy. But, uh, yeah, Marquette just got destroyed by UConn, Kansas. Like, it's it's hard for me to, to look up and pick anyone against UConn right now. It, man, to me, they are head and shoulders better than everyone. Like, they are, they are by far the best team. And it's starting to feel like there's not a play. Now, obviously, any given, you know, you can lose whenever. But they, they got it all. And it's starting to feel like one of those Villanova, uh, <laughs> Virginia years where they're far and better than everyone. Like I, even my North Carolina tire, it's hard for me to see them beating that UConn team. That's all I'm saying, man. And there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. If you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, man. I'm trying to get as many subscribers as possible. If you like the content, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. If you make it this far, you're not subscribed. I don't know what to tell you, man. But uh, please subscribe. 
Also, please all my DSP listeners, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, please follow, please subscribe wherever you're listening. You guys are extremely important as well. And, you know, it, it definitely means a lot if you would subscribe or follow. I truly, truly appreciate it. Also, follow the socials, man. Follow Instagram. Follow TikTok. I post pretty much daily where there's reels, clips, stories. That's probably the quickest way to get to me if you want to obviously have a discussion or a debate. Follow the socials. All of the stuff is in the link in the description below. Please follow. And until next time, much love. <laughs>